Christmas and Happy New Year, Central Park Baptist Church. Thank you for that one response. <laughs> Good evening. I'm sorry, Brother Jim. I saw you up there. You, 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 we had at least at least two or three. Uh, good evening, Central Park Baptist Church. Good evening to you all. How are we doing this evening? We're doing okay? Hey, man, everyone had a, had a good time off, at least one day at least? Oh, wow, no one had any time off? Oh, okay. All right, well, what we're going to do at this time, if you're able to rise, uh, we're going to ask that you stand and turn to hymn 66. Hymn 66, I know a lot of people uh, were married during Christmas and They've been happy for the holidays, but you know, happiness is the Lord, amen. Happiness is the Lord, happiness is the Lord. Hymn 66, hymn 66, happiness is the Lord. Sing along, our happiness is to know the Savior living a life within his favor, having a change in my behavior, happiness such hymns as happiness is the lord and to actually believe in that lord uh, because we are happy father that uh, we serve and, and trust in a risen savior and father we're just so thankful father for uh, this christmas season and we set aside this time lord to uh, to recognize uh, the uh, the birth of our savior lord and and father uh, we have a lot of gift giving and all of that but uh, the most precious gift is is our salvation that we got by way of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're so happy about that. Lord, we just pray, Father, that you'll uh, bless this worship this evening, that you'll bless our pastor as he brings forth the message you placed upon his heart. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll bless your beloved people, Father, who came to hear from you and to praise you this evening. It is in the name of Jesus we ask. Amen and amen. You may be seated for this next one since you were so happy with that first one. Hymn 400, hymn 400, like a river glorious, like a river glorious, hymn 400. Hymn 400, like a river glorious, sing along, like a river glorious is God's perfect
something for Christmas, at least rocks, I mean you got rocks, broke coal or something, <clears throat> you know, some, I, I, sometimes I say coal and sometimes they don't know what I'm talking about, so I just tell them rocks, all right, let I me mean, you have your bulletin from Sunday, <clears throat> pull these out and we'll go over them real quick, uh, please uh, remember everything that's coming up. <clears throat> No uh, organized uh, soul winning or visitation this Saturday, but we are going to start back the uh, Saturday the 6th, okay? Uh, but nothing this Saturday. And then, <clears throat> of course, Sunday, uh, following our afternoon service, we're going to have some food and fellowship. The food is if you bring it, and the fellowship is if you bring it, okay? <clears throat> and if you have a game that you'd like to play, bring it. But Charles, you bring a Monopoly? I have no idea what that is. Huh? All right, all right, okay. It's what? Huh. Okay, does anybody bring Monopoly out? You know? <laughs> you know? <clears throat> anyway, my wife tried to teach me how to play 42 once, and I just couldn't get that knack of it. In fact, she, put, she set in for me. And when I came back from the restroom, <clears throat> they didn't let me sit back down. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, but Sunday afternoon, following the afternoon service, we'll have some food and fellowship, just some finger food if you bring it, sandwiches or things to make that with, some things like that, and bring some games. If you'd like to play something, just bring those two, and and uh, we'll just sit down fellowship for a few hours, all right, and... Um, uh, get home before it gets dark and uh, you know so but just some, some fellowship before the first of the year so that's following our 
afternoon service. Let me encourage you to call somebody. I know <clears throat> the uh, Marcos, I believe, are supposed to be back Sunday, and and perhaps uh, a lot of other uh, of our folks. But let's call. Let's finish the year strong uh, for the Lord this year. 2023 has been good for Central Park. God's blessed. We've seen folks saved and added to the church this year. And uh, so let's finish strong. Amen. Amen. I'm glad both of y'all are really wanting to finish strong. Amen. <clears throat> so Sunday, call, and let's let's really do see what we can do uh, in finishing strong this year. And then, of course, January 6th, Saturday, uh, is 8.30 men's prayer breakfast. So men, don't forget about that. Uh, and then uh, we'll go out and do some flyers or at least something that morning at 9.30. So please don't forget about those two things. And then, of course, 10 o'clock, there's, there's going to be some sewing for the ladies, and men, if you want to come and sew, I guess that's all right. See, nobody said amen. I'm, I'm so proud of you guys. Y'all didn't nobody say all right or nothing, so, uh, <clears throat> but just see Miss White if you, if you uh, need, have some uh, questions about that, but men, men's prayer breakfast, Saturday morning, 830, uh, let's have a good turnout for that, all right, and then, of course, uh, the seventh, our first Sunday in the new year. We let's start strong. Not only do we want to finish strong, we want to get started strong. Amen. Right. Our new theme. We're going to have our new uh, uh, banners up <clears throat> for that Sunday. We're going to have some. Uh, everything's going to be a, a new push and a, a, a new thrust, if you will, for the new year. Uh, and so, a good way to start that is uh, for 24 and 24. That's at 830, amen, so uh, let me encourage you, be here, we're asking, now we, 23 is over, you can't do 23 and 24, that wouldn't be right, That's right. amen, well, you could, but you wouldn't make it, so uh, 24 and 24, uh, asking for 24 folks to come at 830 uh, on that morning, so uh, to pray on that Sunday morning, the 7th, so please you come and uh, and be a part of that, also uh, let me shoot to the future a little bit. I put up a flyer about our whitewater rafting trip. If you'd like to go, if you're interested, uh, there's, the, there's a sign-up sheet and also the dates and some of the cost is on that. It's on the bulletin board. It's not till June. Uh, if you want to go, you can go. You don't have to. You can even get in the raft and not row if you want to. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> it's worth the trip. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Uh, but the cost is out there. If you just want to go on the trip and you don't want to go down the river, maybe you just want to visit the Royal Gorge while we're there, uh, then you can take off the cost of the tra a rafting trip down the river, uh, and you can wave on it to everybody, you know, when we go under the, under the bridge. So, uh, but it's on there, and uh, if you have any questions about that, just ask. If you are interested, go ahead and put your name on there. You're just, if you're not sure yet, maybe put a question mark out beside that, and, uh, but the dates and everything are on that in June, all right? <clears throat> uh, also, if you, if there is another flyer we just put up on the bulletin board, it has to do with our, and I, can y'all see that all right? Read every word probably, can't you? Uh, it's about our Bible conference or revival, if you will, that's coming up in June with Brother uh, Stewart. Uh, there's some flyers out here on the table in the uh, in the foyer. If you'd like to pick one, uh, it goes along with our uh, our theme. It kind of gives you a little hint about that. But uh, Brother Stewart's going to be talking about Lions Den Christianity. 
Amen. And I'm telling you, he does a, a fantastic job. He's put uh, sermon titles on there, Who's Teaching Who, Turning the Cat Around, A Toothless Lion. Uh, he's also going to talk about, <clears throat> the. it says, find out what today's events have to do with the numerous end-time events foretold in the Bible and, uh, and how those things uh, apply to us today. So you, you don't want to forget that. That starts January the 17th. That's on a Wednesday night. Uh, it's going to start at 7. Miss White's going to talk to the ladies, uh, ladies about having a meal each evening at 5.30. And uh, so you don't want to miss that. I think we're going to have a great time. Uh, Brother Stewart, I'm telling you, you, you better come with your cup empty because he'll fill it. And uh, bring a, a, a notepad and something to write with because you'll want to take some notes as well. Uh, and then, of course, that Sunday, the 21st, we're having our chili cook-off. Beans or no beans? Okay. So um, we may have a category. Well, we can only have one category. You know, one, we can only have one place for the name on, the, on our plaque out here. So uh, I'll have some judges. And uh, I, I won't tell them who they are, you know, because we don't want anybody to get stoned. You know, it's, if a no-bean chili wins, they're going to say that they're prejudiced against no-bean chili, you know. And, or if a, a, a chili with beans in it, they're going to say that they're prejudiced against, you know, chili that has beans in it. So uh, we'll have some secret judges, and uh, we will uh, judge it, and then the winner will put their name on the plaque out here and stuff. But we'll have a good time with that. Again, that's the 21st. Pick up one of these uh, flyers. They're out here on the table if you, uh, if, if you would like to have one. Very interesting. I think it'll give you something to maybe put on your refrigerator, something to help you remember, okay? Uh, prayer sheet. Anybody need a prayer sheet? All right, just keep your hand up. We'll get those to you. Keep your hands up. He's coming. Uh, again, please continue to pray for uh, Miss uh, Brother Frank and Miss Zoe and their family. I know that they would certainly appreciate that. Uh, if you would, please also pray for Miss Myrna, who had her knee surgery yesterday. She's doing good. Uh, Brother uh, Brother Mark, I was over, saw them the other day, and Miss um, uh, Barb, she had knee replacement. She, they're both doing great. Uh, keep uh, praying for them, and uh, I, I would certainly appreciate that. And again, remember, there's just a, a lot of folks on our our sheet here for help, and I pray that you'd be with them and pray with them. Let them know we've got folks that are are still not feeling well, so please keep them uh, in your prayers. Uh, continue to pray for Brother uh, Gene Harmon. He uh, will put another. I got a letter from him, an email today. And uh, he's having some more tests run, uh, so pray for him. He's through with his radiation. He said uh, the metal taste on his food is not quite as bad as, you know, it has been, but he's glad it's over. Uh, so please keep him in your prayers. He sent a picture of, of his church there in China. Uh, they met on Christmas, and, and there was uh, over 200 of them. And folks, listen, I'm telling you, they're under threat of being thrown in prison right now. If they had have found them, they'd have all been taken to jail. So, But they met anyway. Hmm, we ought to learn something about that, amen? 
and uh, but pray for them and i know that they would uh, certainly appreciate that and again pray for all of these that are on here traveling graces for all of our folks that are traveling back this week uh please keep them in your prayers all right did everybody get a sheet anybody still need one all right okay thank you brother john well let's go to the lord in prayer and uh, then we'll continue in the worship father we thank you lord for your goodness to us Lord, a lot of things that we come before you, Lord, in prayer and supplication tonight, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for our folks that are here. Uh, God, we thank you for uh, Christmas, Lord, this time of year when we really focus on you, Lord, and I pray, God, that we'll not just, Lord, because Christmas is over, that we will, uh, Lord, our thoughts will not be on upon you as they should, but God, that we will continue to magnify you, Lord, and keep our eyes focused on you, and and uh, so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us and strengthen us as a church. Help us, Lord, that as we, uh, Lord, come to the last Sunday of this year, Lord, if you don't come back, I pray, God, that each one of us, Lord, tonight will do our part in reaching out to our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, not only the church members, but our visitors that have been coming, and God, that we'll contact them. Let them know that we look forward to seeing them Sunday, and I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us to finish strong this year. God, I pray for... Uh, Lord, that you'll send lost folks and they'll come to know Jesus Christ, Lord, as their Savior. Lord, I can't think of a better way to end the year than seeing uh, lost people get saved. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, have a wonderful day Sunday. I pray, God, that you'd fill this place with people, Lord. And, God, that uh, everybody that's traveling, you'd give them traveling graces back. And, Lord, that we'll just have a, a wonderful day, uh, Lord, numerically. But God, most of all, I pray, God, that you'd fill this place, Lord, with your spirit, Lord. May you, dear Holy Spirit, fill this place, God, and move in the hearts of people. And God, may we just have a, an uplifting day as we finish this year. And uh, God, if you, you said, if we lift up the name of Jesus, you'll draw all men unto yourself. And I pray, God, that, Lord, that you'll help us to start that tonight. God, I pray that you'd help us to lift up the name that's above every other name. And Lord, again, that as we move towards Sunday, that God will spend some time between now and then in prayer, Lord, on our knees, asking you, God, for a wonderful day. And Lord, we pray, God, for our folks that are sick. God, we have folks that aren't feeling well. We have folks, God, that, uh, Lord, are traveling. Father, we pray for traveling graces. We pray for those that have, uh, Lord, uh, faced uh, surgery uh, in the last two weeks, God. We lift them up in prayer. Pray for a quick recovery for all of them, Lord, that you'd help them and strengthen their bodies, Lord, they'll be able to be back this Sunday, Lord, ready to worship you, Lord, and we give you praise. Lord, I pray that, God, that you'd bless the remainder of our worship tonight. Uh, God, I pray that you'd bless this offering. We pray for the gift and the giver. Pray, God, that you would add your blessing to it, Lord, and we give you praise for that. Lord, I uh, I pray also, Lord, for the Martin family. God, I don't want to forget them. I pray, God, that you'd be with them in a special way, comfort and strengthen them, Lord, and God, we'll give you praise. Thank you again for uh, all things, God, for, uh, Lord, no matter what we may think of them, Lord, you're in control, and I pray, God, that we'll just give you glory, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come. <clears throat>
Amen. If you're able to rest upon your feet, we would love for you to join us in singing a verse and a chorus of hymn 433. Hymn 433, where we'll never grow old at the conclusion of this hymn. Please greet each other as we prepare for tonight's Bible study. Hymn 433, hymn 433, where we'll never grow old. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22. Gonna, it's been a couple of weeks, I feel like, since we've talked about David. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the our lessons in the future, not only about David, but about uh, Moses, I, we're starting to get into some good stuff, and and it really it's really got some pretty relevant things that's going on nowadays in them, and it's amazing how uh, relevant and up to date God's word is, no matter where you read from, Amen. And and uh, so I, I'm I'm looking forward to that, but uh, but let's tonight let's just read these first two verses here in in First uh, Samuel. Uh, chapter 22, we'll read down verse, we'll just read uh, verse 1 and 2, and then we'll get started. It says, David therefore departed thence, and escaped to the cave of Adullam, and when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him. Uh, about 400 men. Now look back up in verse 10 of chapter 21. I want you to see this. It says, And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, uh, the king of Gath. And Father, I pray that you'd bless and help us, Lord, tonight. And I pray, God, that you'd uh, help me, Lord, again to rightly divide your word of truth as we continue studying about David. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to glean from him, the things that will help us and strengthen us in our daily walk with you, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So David, he leaves Gath. You remember he had been there, and and uh, he got in trouble, you know, act like a crazy guy, 
And so he escapes Gath and the Philistines, and he heads down to the cave of Adullam, as we read here in chapter 22 and verse 1. And when you read there in verse 2 as well, you, you begin to find out that his brothers and his father's household, they came to join him in the cave of, because they feared that Saul might come after them as well. And, and I hadn't ever thought of this, but you now if, if Saul, and I'm, I've got this down here somewhere in the lesson, but if he'll kill all these priests, then he's not going to have any trouble killing uh, David's family trying to get after David. So as a result, and because they're fearful of that, David's family join him. But, I, but if you remember, you remember where David's uh, brothers were? When he first, you remember when he went to fight Goliath? Why did David's father send him to, uh, to the front line, so to speak? He didn't send him there to fight Goliath. Remember, he sent him there to check on his brothers. So David's brothers are in Saul's army. Well, if, if David's family came to him in the cave of Adullam, that means that his brothers deserted Saul's army and they came as well for the same reason. Because if Saul would have killed his family, then Saul would have no problem in, in uh, killing his brothers as well. So his brothers also became a fugitive. Now, <clears throat> when you begin to read, and you read at the end of verse 2, you'll find that, that eventually about 400 men rallied around David. The Bible says these men were discontented, and they were distressed, if you will, and, and they were in debt. Uh, they were disgusted, I believe, with the way Saul was running the government. And in fact, uh, a commentary that I was reading said that these were men of broken fortune and, and restless spirits, and that's, that's exactly right. So David and now all of his family and these 400 men that have followed him are fugitives. And, uh, and they're in a, a really a similar circumstance with David. But they see something in David that, uh, that made them go there. And I believe that they saw in David that he is a great leader who represented the future of the nation of Israel. So they began to flock to him. And, and the spiritual revival that David is going to experience here following his stay in Gath uh, makes a big difference in the way he responds to uh, adversities. And, and when you think about this, spiritual revival will always do this. Spiritual revival will make a difference in the way that you and I respond to adversity. You know, a lot of people today aren't responding too well to adversity. Amen. I, I was reading a story today about uh, a, a lady that was. Uh, I didn't. Re, I didn't finish the story, but it was talking about adversity and how they responded to it. And and uh, they, her and her husband, were high school sweethearts. They had a. Uh, their oldest daughter was about eleven. They had two other children. One was about eight. The other is about five. And and they had been to church. And she worked at the local YMCA. And and uh, so they went to church. She went to work for a couple of hours. And there around the YMCA, they had built this lake. And there was a bridge across it for a walking path kind of thing. And, and she thought, well, I'll go walk with the family just for a little while before church this evening. And so her and her family were out walking across this bridge from one side of the lake to the other. Well, when they walked past this uh, little 
gazebo thing that was there, and they just kind of just oblivious. She was having fun with her children and her husband, and and they walked off and got almost to the other side, and she says in her story that there were some flies or something that was really bad on the on the other side on that side of the lake. So they turned around, and they went back the direction that they came. Well, her husband had already turned around. He's walking out in front of them a little bit, and uh, when they got close to the little gazebo that they had just passed, they noticed that there was a man who was slumped over sitting on the bench. So the little girl, the 11-year-old girl, began to ask, Mom, is there something wrong with the man on the bench? Well, the husband was a little ways up in front of him, and so he went over and put his hand on the shoulder of the man to check on him. Well, as soon as he did that, the man raised up and shot him right in the chest. Well, as soon as that happened, the mom with her three children began to run, and the man shot the mother in the leg. And when he shot the mother in the leg, she yelled out to her children, run. And when they took off running, the man shot the 11-year-old little girl and then shot the mother as they were running two more times. So the two children that were still the youngest, they ran, they got help. Well, by the time they got back, the uh, husband had already died. They, he didn't make it. And by the time they got the 11-year-old little girl to, uh, to the uh, hospital, she also died. Uh, the mother lived, shot three times, by the way. And uh, she said the only thing that she could remember about the whole incident was her husband's last words. And I read down a little further, and the husband, the last words that he said before the shooter took his own life said, God will forgive you. Now, folks, how we respond in at times of adversity really says a lot about what's in our heart, spiritually speaking. And God help us today to learn that there, there's, there's things in life. I, I thought, man, what are the odds of that happening? What are the odds of somebody walking across the bridge and turning around and walking right back the way they came and wind up with their lives changed forever? Well, then when I began to think about that, I thought, you know, the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered up by God. Listen, there's no such thing as an accident when it comes to the people and the children of Almighty God. Listen, and so as they walked past that, that day, I, she said, I don't even remember him sitting on that bench when we walked by there the first time. And, and, and I thought, man, they just happened to turn. No, listen, they didn't happen to turn around and go back. They didn't happen to walk back by this guy. That husband didn't just happen to put his hand on that guy's shoulder. Listen, that was exactly the way God intended for it to be. And the way that man responded in a moment of adversity, listen, they were active in their church. They were soul winners. The little 11-year-old girl, the lady said, had no problem telling people about Jesus and asking them about their salvation. But listen, this was a moment. There are wicked people in this world today. But God said that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to His purpose. It is important today that we respond in the right way when adversity comes and visits us in our life. And we can all say, hey man, David is doing this very thing. 
Listen, he's a fugitive, and his family and 400 other people flock to him, but he's learned some things in this cave. Another commentary said this, that David's escape from Gath to the cave of Adullam marks a fresh starting point in his career. He said, David, we will see, makes wise adjustments to his uh, adversities. And so the actions that he takes from this point are no longer characterized, you remember, by panic. And, and he's been running in fear uh, up to this point. Uh, he's been running in fleshly fear. But, but, but now, from this time forward, he will be acting under the help of Almighty God. Instead of, uh, of being sad in his behavior, you remember what he did. The Bible says he feigning himself as a madman. Listen, that's somebody that's fearful. That's somebody that's running, and when adversity comes, it's acting in, uh, like somebody that's not led of God. But from this point forward, he continues, and he starts acting with godly wisdom. Now, where he had before acted with confidence in the flesh, watch, out of fear. From this point forward, we'll see him seeking the will of God and then doing what God has told him to do. We see here that lives, watch, lives that, that following him are a mess, lives, uh, <clears throat> lives that, that are wasteful. But watch, I want you to understand, lives that are a mess and lives that are, are filled with heartache and suffering, they can be straightened out and they can become lives that are productive and joyous lives, but it only takes place when they get right with God and start doing what God has called them to do. Amen. So notice in verse 1, we notice the cave brought protection for him. It says that David departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Now, the cave, when I think of a cave, I start looking, you know, and you see all these different caves in your mind about uh, a little hole that leads into a big hole, but that's not what I've gathered here. This cave of Adullam was in the valley of Elah, uh, close to where... Uh, David killed Goliath. Now, it's, it's, to me, it's kind of ironic that David seems to be drawn back to this area. He keeps kind of going back. And, and, the, and the cave here was not a small cave, but it's a large underground cave. And if you look up and, and read a little bit about the cave of Adullam, you'll find uh, that it was a large underground cave, and it was, it's been called the Subterranean Palace. It's, they said it was a large cave with columned uh, halls and arched chambers. And when you think about it, it's, first of all, it's got to be big enough for 400 men, not counting their families. So it's got to be a pretty big place. And we're going to read a little farther down the line that, that not only uh, that this number is going to grow from 400 men to 600 men. So this has got to be a pretty large uh, a cave. And, and when all these followers plus their families come, and, and it really gives them a place where they can stay. It, it offered protection, but there's a problem. There's no food and there's no water. You know, it, a cave may offer one thing, but it's not going to give you everything that you need. Now, now, I want you to see this. This cave may have afforded protection, uh, but, I mean, for David from Saul, but it wasn't much of a place for an anointed king. Think about it. David is the anointed king. You ever think that he wonders sometimes while he's sitting in this cave, hey, I'm the king here. I'm supposed to be king. 
I've been anointed the, 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 the next king. Why, what am I doing in a cave? Now, you and I would think that if we were honest. Amen. But I want you to understand something that, that the world often sees the, uh, the most honorable, uh, or excuse me, uh, that this world often sees the most honorable in a place of dishonor. David, think about it, the one who killed Goliath. He is the one who had killed his 10,000. You, you remember that? You remember he's the best soldier that Israel had. He's the future king of Israel. And now he's hiding in the cave from King Saul. He's hiding uh, from Saul, and Saul owes his life to David. And here's the guy that did all this for Saul. He's hiding in the cave. But when you think about it, think about Joseph. Here's a man who's going to save a nation. You, you still with me? He's, he's put in a hole by his brothers and later imprisoned by Potiphar. Well, what about Daniel, the loyal servant of God? He was the one who revealed the dreams of those two men and about the government, and he became the, the second man in the government. He was the administrator, and yet, and by the way, and he's thrown into a lion's den. What about Jeremiah, the prophet of God? He was put in stocks and later in a slime pit of a dungeon where he sank down in the mire of a pit up to his armpits. What about Micaiah, the only faithful prophet of 401 prophets? He was sent to prison and fed bread and water while the unfaithful prophets before him were living it up with all the worldly honor that they could have. Then what about John the Baptist who was put in a dungeon below Herod's palace where King Herod lived a vile life in luxury of his day. Now watch, if you are favored of God and called into special service for him, don't be surprised if you have to spend some time in a cave. Amen. Why? Because the world despises and rejects the things of God. And yet too many today are in the ministry trying to make a dollar. Remember a few weeks ago I said there's a lot of folks in ministry today that they want the crown, but they don't want the cross. Yeah? Listen, God doesn't call people into ministry for money or prestige. He calls people into the ministry, and he calls people to be his children so that we can reach other people with the gospel. Amen. Luke chapter 9 and verse 57. The Bible says that there was a certain man who followed after Jesus. And Jesus told him, or the man said, I'll follow thee. If you go look in verse 57, the man told Jesus, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And if you look in verse 58, the Lord looked back at him and said, You know, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. This guy viewed following the Lord in terms of what he could gain rather than what he could give or how he could help other people. Listen, we are here today as a part of Central Park Baptist Church not to see what the church can do for us, but how we can be equipped to try to reach other people. Come on, are y'all still here? Say amen. Listen, we are here today because we are in the people business. And here's David. He found himself in the cave of Adullam 
But one day, thank God, God set things straight. Can I tell you, listen, one of these days, God's going to do the same thing for you and I as he did for David. But we may have to spend a little time in the cave to get there. Amen. Look in verse 1 again. The family that came to the cave. David's families moved to the cave with David and and uh, and when you think about this, it, this shows support for David by his family. You know, over the years, when uh, when a young man or a young lady, I've seen parents who of those who have given their lives to full time service, and I've heard parents say these things. Well, why would you do that? You have so much potential. Doesn't God deserve the best just like anything else? I believe more so. Listen, uh, here's David's family. They, they didn't run off and leave him. They came to where he was at. And, and, and in, in a way, David's family shows that they support him. They're not just showing up uh, because they could have went anywhere else. But they came to where David was to show that they support him and what's going on. But notice we see safety for David's family. Saul, as we noticed earlier, and we talked about this a few minutes ago, he, you remember he made a decree to kill the priest, and he wouldn't have any trouble killing these, anybody who followed after David or even David's family to get to David. And, you know, when I thought about Saul doing that, I thought, you know, evil rulers are a danger to good people. Absolutely. We saw this just uh, uh, not too many weeks ago. Uh, about all these people that tortured and killed some 1,400 innocent people in Israel. Amen. We, we saw in red how, you remember Saul's, uh, uh, became right, his right-hand man, the guy named Doeg, who, who, who uh, killed all of these priests, and, and listen, and he prospered under Saul, and Saul is a wicked ruler. And the same thing is going on in our country today. Listen, the good people, the hardworking people of this country, they struggle to make ends meet while the rulers of government are disconnected. Amen. Listen, they're disconnected with the working man. They're not even, I mean, they're not even, uh, even, they don't even give it a second thought. They sit in their ivory towers, just like uh, uh, Herod and just like Saul is doing, think about it. They drink, they carouse, they party, and they never think about what other people are going through. Saul's doing the same thing. Yeah, amen. Reminds me of Lazarus and the rich man. Y'all remember them? What did the Bible say about the rich man? The Bible says about the rich man that he fared sumptuously. Yeah. What, what was Lazarus doing? He was begging the crumbs from the rich man's table. You know, it sounds kind of like society nowadays. Listen, I want you to understand something. That, but wait a minute. Remember the, the, what happened to the rich man, though, right? The Bible said when Lazarus died, he went to Abraham's bosom. And there was a chasm in, in the middle. We were talking about this Sunday. A great chasm in the middle. Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. But this was before the Lord died on the cross. Y'all still with me? Say amen. 
All right, and then you've got the rich man over here. And the, 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 uh, when Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom, the angel of God took care of him. He was in a place of comfort. By the way, this is not purgatory. It is not. It's not a picture of purgatory. Uh, but then you have the rich man died, and the Bible says, and the rich man died, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, plural. But he could see Abraham. In Abraham, I mean Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, and and he said, "Listen, man, send Abraham over here. Let him dip his finger in the water and touch the tip of my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame." Listen, he could look across and see him. Listen, I want you to understand that's a torment in and of itself, but he was there because of his choice. Yep, and remember what the Lord said? God said, no, can't do that. There's a great chasm fixed that he can't go to you. Uh, he can't come to you, and you can't go where he's at. And then the rich man became a missionary, or missionary-minded. Well, send Lazarus back, because I've got five brothers. He said, I can't go, but so send him. You realize that's what foreign missions is all about, right? We can't go, so we send somebody in our place. Amen. Yeah. Uh, you know what happened? The Lord died on the cross. He went and carried the captive uh, free, took them back to heaven with him. And the rich man stayed in hell. Yeah. And he's still there over 2,000 years later, still in torments, plural. Listen, you know what happened? One of these days, God's going to set things straight. And here's David in this cave of Adullam. I mean, he, this, this cave has provided protection for him and his family. But notice in verse 2 that we see some of the followers. The Bible describes these followers as being distressed, in debt, discontented. And contrary to what some may say or what we might think about these, you know, I really, when you study this, I don't think they were some motley crew type of people. Uh, I, I don't think they were some kind of a ragtag bunch. They, they were, these were just distressed and discontented people because of, of the regime of Saul and, and, the, and because of the, the stress and, and, and the, some of the pressure that Saul was putting on his people. Listen, Saul was a wicked ruler. He's out of the will of God, and somebody out of the will of God will do anything. Well, Saul's after David, and he doesn't care what, what it, will, it takes to get to David. He's willing to do it. He's already killed a bunch of priests and their families. And so these men, they, listen, they follow David. They are distressed. They're discontented. And these followers, listen, when they come, they are loyal to David. They're a blessing to him, not a burden they, I, I, think, I don't think they were some irresponsible or untrustworthy kind of men. Uh, but they were, in general, think about it, they were young men. I think they were patriotic men. They were men who had suffered as a result of, of Saul's misrule. And so they, they see something in David that, that and you say, how do you know? Well, we're going to get to that. They see something in David as a great leader and something, as I mentioned a minute ago, about seeing the future of a nation. They see that in David, and so they begin to flock to him and, and allow him to be their leader. Notice, look in verse 2. It tells us again that there were 400. And, but remember I mentioned uh, earlier in chapter 23, the number grew to, to 600. 
Now, not very many, uh, when you think about 600 men compared to what Saul has uh, available to him. If you look in chapter 24 in verse 2, and then look in chapter 26 in verse 2, you see where Saul would take about 3,000 men to try to kill David. That's a lot of men compared to, to 400 or 600 if you look in chapter 23, look in verse 8, notice what it says there. It says, and Saul called all the people together to war, to, do, to go down to Calah to besiege David and his men. Now, Saul has a bunch of people at his disposal. David, not so many. But I want to say this, it, listen, it's not, size is not the criteria by which to judge a movement. Amen. Size is not the criteria to which to judge the effectiveness of a church. Are y'all still here? Say amen. Listen, you, you turned on the, uh, the TV and, and I'm telling you, there was a massive amount of people who gathered at the Vatican in Rome. Yep. They were there to, to get blessed by the Pope or maybe to greet the Pope, but I guarantee you that this group of people that's right here tonight in this building are more effective in reaching people with the gospel than they are. Yep. You see, size of a crowd... Listen, we, you can't judge the effectiveness of a people by the size of the crowd. Come on, y'all say amen. Y'all are awful quiet. Size of a crowd is not what draws God's favor. Amen. Listen, uh, I'm, you know, I, you say, well, I, I, I'm, I still want to reach more people. Amen. I mean, I'd like to see the, the day where... Now, this place is packed to the guild and where we're putting chairs down the aisle. And by the way, I've seen it happen right here in this building before. Yeah, well, we had to put, we had to put chairs down the aisles and, you know, and, and there were some people standing up along the back. Listen, it was a long time ago, but I, listen, I'm telling you, if, if you can do it once, you can do it again. And the, the same God that was uh, around then is around today. Amen. Listen, but I'm telling you, this, this crowd is a crowd that can get the job done. Yeah. Um, remember, God looks on the, the inward and not the outward. David was the one approved of God, but his crowd was small. Saul, on the other hand, think about him. He had lost God's favor. He had lost God's approval, but he had thousands at his disposal. Christ was the one approved of God. Listen, and his disciples numbered only a few. Listen, to, uh, uh, I mean, to those who followed Judaism and, and other religions and leaders. Listen, I'm telling you, those groups were massive. But the Bible doesn't say about those Judaizers that they were the ones that turned the world upside down. Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, it says those few men, listen, it says they turned the world upside down. Listen, why? Because it's the heart that makes a difference. 
It's not the crowd. I would rather have a dozen people uh, like those disciples that day with a heart to change the world than have a thousand who didn't want to do anything. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing it right here. If the Lord's few can do it, then all we need to do is just be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit of God and, and allow Him to work through us. And listen, and I'm telling you, this crowd that's right here tonight can make an impact for the cause of Christ in Carrollton and abroad like the world has never seen if we just take self off of the throne and put God on it. Amen. Look in verse 2. We're talking about the followers. He said that uh, David became captain over them. Now, when you think about a ragtag kind of motley crew, this, to me, does not describe that kind of a people. But when it says that David became a captain over them, this tells me that these followers, they were not rebellious men. Because rebellious men do not submit to God's captain. Amen. In fact, rebellious people don't submit to really anybody. Yeah. The fact that these men submitted to David's leadership shows that they were wise men. They knew who the best man in Israel was to be their captain. And that's why they allowed David to be that man. And they proved it not by their words. They didn't just come up and say, David, you know, we know you're over here in this cave. We'll be back in a few weeks. Now, listen, they came with the intention of staying and allowing David to be their captain. They, they were men who was willing to sub, uh, put their self under the uh, submission of a leader and allow them to lead them. And that's that's exactly what David did. They were loyal and courageous to David in their deeds, and they proved it by their actions. But notice this. While, they, while they're in the cave, uh, it's, it, and let me say this. David found out who his real friends were when he got in the cave. Yeah. You, you know, you, you remember when David became king after he killed Goliath? Everybody was on the bandwagon. Kind of like in the World Series. Yep. I mean, uh, Ranger fans came out of the woodwork. Some that had been off of the wagon for a long time. When they realized that the Rangers were going to win the World Series, man, they were back home. Man, I am a Ranger fan. I got my shirt to prove it. Yep. You see, when you're top dog, you got a lot of friends. Now, everybody wants to be around the, the, the winning guy. I mean, you're popular, you're prosperous, you're powerful. Uh, you have lots of friends. But most time, watch this, they'll stay with you only until things start getting a little rough. Some, some will stay longer than others, but you can really tell the, uh, you know, uh, for, I mean, you start getting in trouble. Think about this. When you start getting in trouble and adversity hits, all of these friends that weren't really friends, they're going to jump. They're going to be like rats on a sinking ship. They're going to be gone. I, I can still think back in high school, you know, as long as I had gas in my car, I had people that wanted to ride around with me. But as soon as I said, man, I don't have much gas and I don't got no money, can you drop me off over here to so-and-so? I think I can catch a ride with somebody else. Yeah. Um, 
You always have friends when things are going good. But those who stand by you when things aren't going so good, those who stand by you when you're rejected and despised and lowly in position, those are the ones that you're going to be able to count on. Those are the ones who are going to be your real friends. And these men who came to David when he was in the cave of Adullam, these are the ones that he could really count on. Listen, they were not fair-weather Christians. I've got a sermon that, uh, on my desk. I run across it every once in a while. It's, it's been a while. I've, I've, I've spilt something on it, and the, the covers got all wrinkled up. But, but the, the title of it is that Jesus is not a fair-weather friend. Listen, I'm thankful today that the Lord's not like that. Many, um, let me just read this. Many there be today who are only professing Christians. Those who in the hour of sacrifice, ridicule, and persecution, they jump ship and run. Many. But these men in the cave with David were those kind of guys you could trust. Listen, when things get tough, uh, you need some people that you can count on. Are you still here? Say amen. Uh, when everybody else runs out, you need some, some friends that will run in for you, help you. Uh, that's these kind of men. Listen, these, the, there, they, there were some changes coming to these men, though. Think about it. When these men first started following David, they were the Bible says they were discontented. And, and that also carries with it that they were in debt when they came to David. But now think about this. These men were soldiers, and they followed David. And when they, with David, went out, and by the way, they, they went and fought a lot of battles. And when they went out and fought these battles, they won. Are you still with me? Say Amen. And, and, and by the way, they, you know, they were still Israel's enemies. And David went out and fought against these enemies. And they were still fugitives. But when they won these battles, you understand that when they won these battles, there was spoil to be taken. I wonder how many battles it took to win before they weren't in debt anymore. You see... They weren't the same when they went in as they was when they come out. But they went and they followed David. I mean, they were frustrated when they came to David. But under David's leadership, they were victorious. You know, when you follow after the Lord, you may be discontented going in. But you're going to be victorious coming out. Yeah. These men were discontented. But with David, they lost their discontent because David was a leader that satisfied. He improved their situation. He didn't make things worse. And the same as the, as the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, he makes things better. He never makes things worse. Why is it that we bump into, when we bump into trials and tribulation or we bump into some adversity, why don't we, why don't we always uh, seem like we think God let us get into that? God, why did you let me get in? No, wait a minute. He didn't make it worse. He makes it better. 
He never makes things worse for us. He's trying to teach us something. And if we will just, uh, listen, if we will just respond in the right way when we come to those things of adversity, just like David did. Listen, uh, God, there will be some spoil on the other side and you'll come out victorious if you just stay in the ship. You know, they, uh, they, David improved them. You see, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you know this verse. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Listen, nothing can change your life like Jesus. He changed mine. And I know that if, he'll, if he can change mine, he can change yours. All you got to do is just keep following right after him. But you got to come to him and let him be your captain. Even if he's in a cave. Oh, man, that David, I'm not going over there. You know, it's not so bad here. I mean, <clears throat> I, got, I got leeks and garlic and fish. Amen. Why do I want to give that up and go in a cave? Well, wait a minute. That's God's man. That's God's anointed in the cave. And he's, listen, he's not going to stay in the cave. Why? Because that's God's man. That's God's anointed. And, and, and if, we, if, we can, if we're spiritual enough to recognize that, that God's there and his, the Spirit of God is there, listen, then let's go get in the cave. And then let's just let God take care of the rest. Because they weren't the same going in as they were when they came out. But they trusted David. And they allowed David to be their captain. I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ is my captain. Listen, uh, I just got to submit to him. It's, listen, we're right on, the, right on the edge of a new year, just a few days. Why can't we start today and allow the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, to be our captain? Listen, and it all starts with the relationship right here. Because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to us in the volume of a book. This God help us to be submissive and let Him be our captain. Father, help us, Lord. Thank you for uh, David. Lord, we, he's, he's in the cave. He went there for protection and got all these people followed him. And Lord, I, they followed him because they see something in David. Lord, I pray, God, that we will understand, Lord, that you're our captain. Lord, you're the Savior of our soul. And, God, you, uh, Lord, you only want what's best for us. Sometimes it may lead us to a cave. But, God, help us to be faithful. Help us to be submissive to you, Lord, and, and just continue to allow you to be the captain over us, Lord. Allow you to sit on the throne of our life and God, I'll give you the praise for it. Lord, for the next few minutes, I pray, God, that you just help us and strengthen us, Lord, as we move even more quickly to 2024. And Lord, if you don't come back before uh, this Sunday, God, 2024 is going to come. But God, I pray that, Lord, we will not be the same coming out of 2023 as we are going into 2024. I pray, God, that you'd help us to be strong Christians. Lord, submissive, Lord, to the things of God, and I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Lord, speak with you.